Welcome to our Trinity Heights uh, virtual service and uh, whether this is your first time joining us or whether you're a regular with us, uh, you're really welcome. My name is Tim Kreber and this week uh, is the second week uh, in our series on the theme of exile. Last week uh, we took a bird's eye view of uh, the story arc of exile within the Bible. We saw how Israel emerged as a powerful nation in the Middle East, but then fell to foreign superpowers of the north. They were carried off into exile. And then when they finally returned from exile, they were never truly free. While they returned to their land, they never really returned home. And then we zoomed out further to see how exile is more than just a specific story about a specific people at a specific time in history. Exile symbolises the greater human struggle. Humanity as a whole finds itself cast out of the garden in a far from perfect world, far from home. And we all find ourselves asking the questions how did we get here? And is there any hope of returning? Now this week, we're going to look at the role of lament in exile. As I've contemplated this topic, uh, I've been asking myself the question, when and what have I lamented? Lament is a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. Lament goes deep. It, it shapes our posture towards life. It impacts our character in some way. And uh, let me share one, one experience of lament that I have. My, my father lost his battle with cancer about five years ago now. He was taken from us early. He never met Simon, my youngest son. He hasn't seen my kids growing up. I lost my chance to receive his advice and wisdom or laugh at his humour. He suffered for years before he died. I lament his absence from me and from my family. I lament the suffering he went through and I wish he was here. It's because I had such a great dad, because he loved so well, that I now lament his absence. I know uh, many of you can relate uh, to lament of loved ones who have died. We lament the breaking of a relationship that's been taken away. But we lament precisely because of what we had that we now have lost. In the context of the Israelite exile, we have in the Book of Lamentations. Uh, now, my guess is that even the keenest Bible reader uh, has turned to the pages of Lamentations far less frequently than other books in the Bible. Uh, for some of us, we found them tough to read, depressing even, and prefer to dive into better known and more accessible passages of, of scripture. For some of us, we found ourselves part of a culture that 
doesn't want to acknowledge or dwell on pain. And so we're encouraged to brush those experiences under the proverbial rug and look to the positives. And for some of us, we just can't relate to extreme lament because it's a long way from our sheltered, dare I say, privileged experience. I was tempted to skip this week's topic, if I'm honest, uh, and jump straight into the stories of Daniel and Esther in exile for all of the reasons above. But stick with me for a moment because I've come to realise as I've reflected on this that there is something quite foundational about the role of lament in the life of faith that we all need to grapple with. Now, the, uh, the Book of Lamentations uh, is a series of five poems. They seem to be written by survivors of the Babylonian siege and destruction of Jerusalem. Most likely those left behind when most were killed or carried off. Remember last week we talked about how shockingly horrendous this event must have been. These poems reflect back on what happened and they wrestle with immense pain and suffering. They acknowledge the total confusion and disillusionment that they were experiencing. Remember this, this was a disaster. God had promised Israel land, the temple built by King Solomon all those years ago, symbol God's presence with his people. And now it was all gone. Where was God? Why had this happened? These poems express raw emotion, despair, anger towards God, their shouts of pain to draw God's attention to what they believe are unacceptable human atrocities. Now, I want to encourage you this week to pick up the Bible and give a read of one of the poems out of Lamentations. And before we read an excerpt of it together today, let me take a moment to pull out a few characteristics about the book as a whole. And for those of you who like a few fun facts, uh, there are five of these poems and each poem follows a very specific ancient Hebrew style. Chapters one and two and then four and five are all 22 verses long. And that is because they have a verse for each successive letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, that is with the exception of chapter five, because uh, that poet obviously didn't get the memo um, on the alphabet, but there's still 22 verses in chapter five. And then there is this middle poem, the third poem. And this one is 66 verses long. It follows the same structure in terms of the Hebrew alphabet, but there are three verses for every letter in that alphabet instead of one, like the others. Um, now, of course, none of this really shows up at all in, in the English translations that we read in Lamentations, but, but why this structure? Well, the completeness of the alphabet is, is like our expression of A to Z. It's, that's all there is to say on the matter. It's a complete assessment. And the length of 
poem three in the middle of the book serves as, as a kind of an emphasis to that poem, specifically, maybe highlighting its specific importance um, of the theme. Now, the tone uh, of, the, of the poems, it's bleak. <laughs> There's no getting around it. Uh, God is silent. Suffering is overwhelming. Expectations of future redemption are, are low. And the writers seem clear that the ultimate cause of their destruction was God punishing Israel for their lack of faithfulness. In other words, they accepted that this was Israel's doing. It was their own fault. It was what they deserved. And for many of us, we, we find that assertion very difficult to agree with. How could God cause such suffering? Isn't God merciful and full of grace? Even if the powerful rulers of Israel had betrayed God, everyone got caught up in Israel's destruction, the young and old, the rich and poor alike. There seems to be an absence of true justice. It seems to be unfair. Maybe we don't agree with the assertion that this was God's doing, but the story gives us no answer to this question. No resolution to this tension. Let me read you an excerpt from the second poem in Lamentations. My eyes fail from weeping. I'm in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground because my people are destroyed. Because children and infants faint in the streets of the city. They say to their mothers, where is bread and wine? As they faint like the wounded in the streets of the city, as their lives ebb away in their mother's arms. What can I say for you? With what can I compare you, daughter Jerusalem? To what can I liken you, that I may comfort you, virgin daughter Zion? Your wound is as deep as the sea. Who can heal you? The visions of your prophets were false and worthless. They did not expose your sin to ward off your captivity. The prophecies they gave you were false and misleading. The hearts of the people cry out to the Lord. You walls of daughter Zion, let your tears flow like a river day and night. Give yourself no relief, your eyes no rest. Arise, cry out in the night, as the watches of the night begin. Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint from hunger at the street corner. Look, Lord, and consider, whom have you ever treated like this? Should women eat their offspring, the children that they have cared for? Should priests and prophets be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? Young and old die together in the dust of the streets. My young men and young women have fallen by the sword. You have slain them in the day of your anger. You have slaughtered them without pity.
well, this is pretty sobering stuff, uh, as I as I said before. And um, just reading this again reminds me uh, of, of, I guess, of my hesitation of having this be a sermon topic. But um, anyway, some of you were maybe hoping for a more uh, uplifting service today, but 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 bear with me a little longer. I can't imagine or even begin to imagine the depths of uh, despair felt by the, the author of this poem. It seems like a million miles away from my experience of life. But um, as we bring up these images here of children in Yemen, maybe these children don't need to imagine. Maybe they are living through similar atrocities, wasting away as foreigners wage war with one another within the country of Yemen. Economic collapse, floods, desert locusts, and now COVID-19 are creating a, a perfect storm for these people and for this disaster. UNICEF estimates that there are 24 million people currently in Yemen suffering with well, malnutrition, 12 million of them are children. No one is coming to their help. Yemen is the, the biggest and most shocking humanitarian crisis in our world today. The darkest and most desperate dysfunction of humanity is creating this crisis. Foreign countries are still arming rebels and governments to fight this war on their behalf. While the ancient stories of Israel's exile seem so hard to access, so foreign, so far away, so long ago, perhaps we read the words of lament afresh with a deep groaning for the people of Yemen. What do we take from these words of lament contained in these poems? I want to share a couple of, of thoughts with you. First, for those of us who have grown up in a Christian context, we probably have um, all got an example of, of something painful and difficult happening to us and somebody coming alongside us and putting their hand their arm around us and saying oh it's going to be okay and uh you know typically this is pretty much the most unhelpful thing anybody can say to us um because it denies the pain and the and the suffering that we experience and it just glosses over it brushes it under again the proverbial rug lamentations is the opposite it, it's the license to engage with God with the deepest and darkest parts of our human experience. Suffering and loss and despair and disillusionment. Lamentations is, is the call to wrestle, to lobby, to shout, to implore, to cry. God, where are you? Why? Is this happening? Notice how the, the authors of the poems, these poems wouldn't make any sense if they had abandoned faith in God, 
it's precisely because their belief is so strong that they shout out. It's because of their hope in something different. It's because of their memory of home that they lament. For those of us who, who have who, or who currently are experiencing suffering or disillusionment or questioning, Lamentations acts as an encouragement that expressing these emotions to God and having it shape our posture towards life is at the heart of authentic faith. It's not a sign of the absence of faith. So I hope for those of you in, in, in that situation that you draw encouragement and boldness to bring your laments to God. The second thing that I, I take from this is that it's very easy for us to live in a bubble. And maybe I'd speak for myself, but maybe this rela will uh, relate to, to some of you. That, you know, we've been well trained to focus on ourselves, our immediate circumstances, our own needs and wants. And that challenge and the challenge of that is that we become all too easily disconnected from the experience and reality of those around us and what is going on in our wider world. To lament is, is part of a posture towards life in exile. If lament hasn't taken hold as part of our expression to God, it is probably because we are disconnected from the suffering and pain of exile. And this should serve as a challenge for those of us in more privileged situations, we should ask ourselves, are we too distanced from the pain and the suffering of the world that we find it hard to lament? Lament is a central part of living in exile and, and therefore a central part of the broader exile of humanity that we continue to experience all of us today. The world is not right. We're called to be a people who lament the fact that humanity is far from home. But lament isn't where the journey ends. Lament is not the final word. While we lament, let us remind ourselves of the one who we direct our lamentations to. Jesus wasn't detached from the suffering of humanity, he entered it, he experienced it, he wept, he cried out to God. And in his life and death and resurrection, some cosmic event far beyond our understanding was beginning the reconciliation and healing of all humanity. It was returning us home from exile. So today, let us lament. Let us cry out to God on behalf of those in Yemen, on behalf of the many situations and people around the world and in our communities who are suffering, who are experiencing the worst of what exile means for all of us. But in our lament, let us take hope 
the great rescuer, God Almighty, is on the move to make all things new.